with any message, you know, some will say, I know all that, all right? They'll say, there's nothing new. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, there will be people here today that this message is a stepping stone in their Christian journey. But all of us should be saying, God, please speak to me this morning. Help me hear what you are saying as we open your word. So let's just pray. Let's just commit this to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you've placed this word on my heart, Lord, and you've helped me to bring this word and to construct what you're wanting to say. And Lord, I just pray that as what is from you will touch people's hearts. What's from me will just fall to the floor. And Lord, we'll all be blessed this morning with this word from your word. Amen. You know, in the police, uh, six-monthly firearm training actually was a highlight in a normally very busy schedule. Getting away from the seriousness of normal police work to go and fire live rounds at targets made a nice change. On one hand, you had the stress of knowing you need to pass, you need to actually qualify at the end of the training. On the other hand, you want to enjoy the firing range. But before anyone is allowed to load either the pistol or the rifle, you know, the rigid safety rules of handling firearms are always retort. And the legislation governing the use of firearms uh, were outlined in detail. In fact, F61, as a policeman, you had to know F61. And we'll just put up a slide there. And I've just edited this. It's huge, actually. There's three pages of it. But I've just put some things there that members must always be aware of their personal responsibilities and the use of firearms, down to two Police members shall not use a firearm except in the following circumstances. And I've only just listed a few to defend themselves or to arrest an offender. And it goes on to say how you can do that and to prevent the escape of an offender. You can actually shoot somebody who's attempting to commit suicide as well, believe it or not, which seems a bit strange, they're going to die anyway. But if somebody was holding a bomb or somebody was likely to kill somebody else through the process, you can actually use a firearm to prevent further harm. But one of the things there on Section 7 says, on every occasion where members receive formal firearms training, the member shall be required by the instructor to demonstrate his or her thorough knowledge and understanding of F61. So F61 was very, very important. It's usually found in, in policemen's notebook. When they open up their notebook, those instructions are usually there at the forefront of it. And after all that, when you finally take hold of the pistol, if you're doing that, or the rifle, all right, what do you think before is the next activity? Once you've finally got the firearm in your hand, anybody want to guess? Check it slowly, check it safety, you know all that? Anybody else? Actually, it was taking it to bits. <laughs> You're looking forward to the firearms, and they'd say, right now, I need you to take the firearm apart. So before we even were used, we had to be able to just take it apart and put it back together again in an expedient sort of a fashion. And the reason for that is that when you're ever in a circumstance where you are using the weapon and it jams, you need to be able to rectify that situation. You can imagine, you know, in a, a tricky situation and, you, and you're being fired at and not that it ever happened to me, but, you know, you're being fired at and then your gun jams and you put your hand up, hey, hang on, mate, hang on a minute, can't you, that's not fair, my gun's jammed. Or while you're hiding behind the rock, you know, phoning up the Sarge, hey, Sarge, can you bring me another firearm? This one's not working. 
Funny as that sounds, you know, you can't do that. You've got to actually be able to take it apart or rectify the jam. And that would happen in the stressful situations they put us into in firearms training. And one of the stressful things was the time factor. So you had a time factor to get, let's say, five rounds or ten rounds into the target. So there was a time factor. So if your gun jammed, and you knew that if you're wasting time and you're only going to get eight rounds in that target, uh, you could actually not qualify. So there was that pressure to do that, and that happened on occasions to me as well. The trick was to get it unjammed, get it sorted, get those rounds back in the target before time was called. But police, as we understand, need, we know with our police that we need them to have a good understanding of legislation. They have to have a good understanding of the equipment they use. And so you can see where I'm going here. As we as Christians grow, we need to know how to handle life situations. Maybe not life-threatening, but definitely spiritually dangerous. Before we become a Christian, we probably had little or no idea who the devil really was. You know, I was just, uh, when I was in Rotorua, I was sitting outside Spotlight waiting for Sally Ann to come out. And this, this lady pushed this trolley out, and in it was about 10 or 12 uh, devil spears. You know, the red stick with the, the horns on the top, the red horns on the top. Probably a Halloween or something like that, but she had a small child with her, and I thought, they just don't understand. You know, that's going to be a party game where everybody's going to go around with these devil spears. So, you know, we do, as Christians, we can't start to come to understand uh, who the devil really is and what he is after. He comes to most people as an angel of light, either fooling people he knows, uh, telling them he knows what's best for them, or pretending that he is somebody else. Ever since even the Garden of Eden was led astray, people have been led astray by the devil. Jesus himself told us in John 10.10, 10, the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his sole purpose. That is his job description, and it's not a very good one. When we come into salvation, we come out of the kingdom of darkness, the devil's kingdom, and into the kingdom of light, which is God's kingdom. And only then do we begin to see things from God's perspective. So I don't really want this to go over your head because the devil is real and he's in our life all the time. The apostle um, John tells us in Revelation, Then the dragon, the devil, was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So if you can imagine that you've got this, this angel that has certain power, and now that he has come to make war with us. So if you're saved, he's come to make war with you. If you're unsaved, you're in his kingdom, and he can do whatever he likes. That's the reality of it. And Peter, in his first letter, warns us, saying, Be alert. And sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. 
You know, this is why Paul tells us in Ephesians to equip themselves like a Roman soldier. Now, before we just read that verse, does anybody here know that the devil's real? Anybody give me a wave? Has anybody had the devil poking a stick at them or trying to give them a hard time in their life? Or is everybody just, it's easy? So you understand what I'm saying. So when Paul says in, to the, uh, tells us in Ephesians to equip ourselves, he says, put on the full armor of God. And some of you will be saying, yeah, no, I've heard all that before. So that you can take your stand. In other words, to do something. He wants us to actually do something against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, this lady who had the, the devil sticks or spears or spades or whatever, forks, whatever they are, has no understanding of this authorities, powers, you know, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. And then it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, what is the belt of truth. The, the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? Who's going to tell me that? Is it the, it's the Word of God. It's the truth. The Holy Bible. We need to buckle ourselves with the Word around us. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All right, what's that in reality? Let's say this is my shield. What is it in reality? If I put my shield on, doesn't matter if it is a small shield, but this says it extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. So Captain America, he's got a round shield, and you know it's only in the movies that he can protect himself, and that shield can do anything. Anybody seen Captain America? All right? And that's the, the idea. If you've seen that, that movie or those programs, that's what your shield of faith can do. It actually extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. So you've got the belt of truth. You've got the shield. The shield is the Word of God. And it's your faith in that Word. When you claim a Scripture, that Word is your shield. When you're dealing with a situation and God gives you a, the Word of God... That is your shield. You hold your shield up to protect yourself from the attack, attack of the enemy. It's something that you need to do. Now, Jesus, Peter, John, and Paul, and others in the New Testament, they all warned us because they knew and now want us to know that we are in very real war. And unless we stand firm, the enemy will gain way too much ground and have way too much influence over our lives. So what is our defense? What are our weapons? Now, I wrote this because mainly I was challenged by people around me that just seemed to be lacking something. And I'll just read a, a letter quickly that I got from a person that's just recently been out of prison, and it sort of disturbed me a bit. It says, I meet, met a female friend, and we got on well together, but she is living on the street. 
That's why I, I said I walk the streets all hours of the night. He'd told me that before. I'm around the drugs and that run on the street, but I do not take any of it. My friend does. I really don't know what to do. I know that I should come out with this before. Um, she's not willing to give up the drugs. So here's a, a man who's come out of prison, and he's now met a lady who's doing drugs, and she's out on the street at night. So he's out walking the street at night. So, you know, my mind's thinking, you know, you know, he's a Christian. He's been in prison. He's come to the Lord. And now he's back out on the street. My feeling is the enemy is trying to get him back into prison. I wrote back to him, and part of what I said, uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone who has helped you so far would encourage you to mix with people that will help you succeed, help you make good decisions, and help you to stay away from the underworld. The devil is after you. He knows you. He's had, he has had 50 years to study your strengths and your weaknesses, and it looks like he is slowly reeling you in. There are scriptures that, and from Proverbs fifteen twenty four, the path of the life, the path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. You know that one uh, Colossians one thirteen, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. Fortunately um, for this guy, he texts me and says, thanks for the email. I've been thinking a lot about life and what I'm doing. And yes, I've been walking the edge. I've come to a point of change. I've talked to my friends, so we have gone our separate ways. And I don't want to go back to prison. What is the key? What is the key for these people? What is the key for us, you know, for wanting to stay safe? And wanting, because he's always, the enemy is always after us. I thought I'd just share this story because this makes it uh, from the scripture, from Matthew 12. When an evil spirit comes out of a person, you got that up there? Slide six. When an evil spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, this is Jesus talking to us here. He's telling us a story. But the Message Bible puts it in quite an interesting way. You might be able to relate to it. When a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis, some unsuspecting soul, it can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. On returning, it finds the person spotlessly clean but vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all move in, whooping it up. That person ends up far worse than if they'd never gotten cleaned up in the first place. That's what this generation is like. You may think you have cleaned out the junk from your lives and gotten ready for God, but you weren't hospitable to my kingdom message, the word, and now all the devils are moving back in. 
It would appear that this person has done everything right. They cleaned their house out. They got rid of the rubbish in their lives. They possibly even had somebody pray over them. And I've done that, and this is what challenged me. I pray over people. I get rid of the demons. But unfortunately, demons are also under authority and have been given an assignment. They need to succeed in their mission. And if they're kicked out, they aren't happy because they haven't completed their assignment. And they're fearful of their punishment. We know that the the demons said to Jesus, no, don't send us to the abyss. They didn't want to go back to the devil and and get beaten up or worse. They said, send us into the pigs. So they're fearful of not actually completing their assignment. And if you are their assignment, they want to be back in your life. Often when praying for someone, demons will audibly claim ownership, hissing, he's mine or she's mine, you know. But it's a lie. They can only lie. We are bought and paid for the blood of Jesus. Sorry, I wasn't going to cry. We are bought and paid for. We are bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Come on. We are bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Oh, man. If I was to say Limitless was on on, on Friday, they'd go, but bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus? Thank you. You know, this parable warns us that an evicted demon is highly likely to come back and have a look at its original campsite, bringing back its mates. So what is our defense? What makes our house look unattractive to demons? We've cleaned it out. We've got rid of the enemy. We seem to be doing the right things. Jesus helps us understand this a bit better when he got into a discussion with the Pharisees after healing a blind, mute, and demon-possessed man. The people were amazed, but the Pharisees said this was done in the name of the prince of demons, if you remember that story. Knowing their thoughts, he went into some detail to help us understand a very important principle, saying in Matthew 12, How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Now, this verse actually takes us to a whole new level. First, we were looking at a person that had cleaned their house out and seemed to do everything right. And now we're talking about a strong man or woman. You know, somebody who's probably strong in the faith. And God is actually saying... There's a way in for the devil. He goes on to say, and if you think it's about yourself now, I just challenge you. Are you the person who's had your house cleaned or are you the strong man or woman? Because he goes on to say, make a tree good and its fruit will be good and make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil, say anything good. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. 
But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. All right, I'm taking you down a path here, showing you something. Whether a tree is good or bad, it is known by its fruit. Out of the storehouse of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good man, good words. Bad man, bad words. We understand that. Amen? How does the devil know what is inside us? By our words. If the word of God is in you, it will naturally flow out. If it's not, obviously, it can't come out of our mouths. The devil cannot see the presence of God in our hearts. He can't see in our hearts. He can't even read our minds. Why? Because he's a fallen angel. And he was never, angels were never given the power to see in our hearts or to read our minds. They are not God. And they do not have the powers of God. It's the Holy Spirit who looks into our hearts. And he draws out the good treasure, the word, stored in there. So let's go to the clean man who had his house cleaned. He's come to the Lord. He's, he's now swept it clean. He's been prayed for. You might have been prayed for and all that. But if you've got nothing, you haven't got the word of God in you, in you, in your heart, it is empty. And the only way the devil knows that, because he knows whether you've got the word of God in you, because it comes out of your mouth. So here's a challenge. Think to yourself, the last time that any of you said a scripture or a word of God out of your mouth. Was it today? Was it yesterday? Was it last week? Was it a month ago? Was it a year ago? When is Scripture coming out of your mouth? And that's how the devil knows that you have the Word of God in you. It's a bit of a challenge. In chapter 13, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Where is the storehouse? Our hearts. What is the treasure? God's word. John says, They, which is us, triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the, what? The word of our testimony. Think about that. You know, our testimony, we, we think, okay, well, I got saved and I used to be doing this and I used to be doing that. Or it can be during your Christian walk, I, I had no money, but then I started tithing and this happened. And like, these are, these are testimonies. This is how we were. This is what happened. And this is the result. You know, we... We were like this, and then we met Jesus Christ, and then we're like that. We think of that as our testimony. But it's actually the power of God is the Word of God. So when we include the Word of God in our testimony, our testimony becomes powerful. So our, the Word of God out of our mouth plus the blood of Jesus, what? Defeats the enemy. It makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it? 
It's not just a good testimony. Hey, I used to be rubbish or, you know, I used to be on the drug scene. I met Jesus and now, you know, you know, tell us about how you met Jesus. Tell us, give us some meat, you know. You know what I mean? Put out the word of God out of your mouth. For the Bible says, you know, bring the gospel. And the enemy can hear it. And also that gospel message goes into somebody else's heart. It's not your testimony that goes into their heart. It's the word of God that goes into their heart, spoken out of our mouth. Demons, and I'm not, I don't want the message to be about them, but I want to protect you and keep you safe. Most policemen will never fire a, a round in their normal day you know, but they practice and they practice and they practice in case that's going to happen. They know the legislation. They know how to shoot. Otherwise, they can't carry the firearm. All right? But we as Christians need to know how to shoot. We need to know that the Word of God needs to be in our mouth. We need to know that the enemy is out there and he's after us. He, you know, the kings, if you look at the Old Testament of the kings, some of them started well and finished badly, really badly. Others did well. And I don't want to finish badly. So as I said before, demons need to hear something. They need to hear the truth. They need to hear the word of God coming out of our mouths. So when they come back and take a look at the old address, they not only see us covered by the blood of Jesus, they hear the word of God coming out of our mouths, and they won't come, they won't come in. Demons do not recognize the presence of God. They can't even find it. They don't know if we are full of the presence of God until he, the word flows out of our mouth, all right? Remember that song, comes up there. I, sang, I tried to sing it last time, but it was terrible. But there's a river of life. Remember that one? Everybody remember me singing that? There's a river of life flowing out from me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors and sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Now, that takes on new meaning if you realize it's the Word of God that is in you, that makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. When you pray for somebody and bring the word, it's, it's this, not this imaginary river, it's the word of God that's in your heart. Can you see that? It opens prison doors and it sets the captives free. It's Christ in us. It's the word in us. None of us would be here if it wasn't for the word of God. We've heard it, we've believed it, and we've stepped into it. I just want to think, imagine shortcutting the recruiting process for the police. Anybody want to join the police? Nobody? Anybody want to fire guns? <laughs> All of you, yeah? Well, let's just shortcut the system, eh? You want to join the police, you just pop in, you, jo you uh, get sent to the clothing store, so you get something to fit, so you look the part, and then you say the oath of allegiance. Raise your right hand, 
and they, you swear the oath of allegiance, all right? Now you're a constable. Would that be good? No. <laughs> Constables need to know the law. They need to know which law they're enacting and carrying out their duties. And they need to know that and show that they know that before they're given what? A gun, somebody said here. <laughs> before they're given authority. All right? The example's always used of the policeman who stands out there as authority. You know, we have authority. He stands out there in his uniform. He has authority, but he's not given that authority until he can prove that he knows what he's talking about. And that he knows the law. He knows how to handle equipment. Because nobody's going to send him out there with authority if he's a loose unit. The word of God is our authority. But it's no good just sitting in here. I can show you some very... I, I didn't get them. I had them up on my computer. Some very powerful examples of how strong this book can be just sitting in our pockets. You know, it stopped bullets in the past, in the war. It stopped bullets. So the book can be powerful, but there's also photos of cell phones stopping bullets and coins as well. But it's no good just sitting in there. It needs to be flowing out of our mouths. When taken into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Jesus shows us the way. So let's just have a look at it. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So here's the tempter tempting Jesus Christ. Do you think he's going to tempt us? Of course. Jesus answered, It is is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what we're living on, the word of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is written. Sorry, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Here is a teaching. Here's an example for us. When the enemy is after you for whatever it is, your health, your finances, um, you know, relationships, job opportunities, whatever it is, find the word of God and tell the enemy to go. It is written. Where did the word come from? It was in Christ. He studied it before he came into his ministry. If Jesus was tempted, surely we will as well. All the four Gospels Jesus quotes or refers to the Old Testament as the Scriptures, the Word of God, the wisdom of God. In fact, he quotes it about 78 times, the Old Testament. And the Apostles, mainly Paul, quote the Old Testament 209 times. They were using the Word 
They were teaching us out of the Word. The Word was coming out of their mouths. In his first letter, John emphasizes the power of the Word in young men. And I just want to speak to the young men here. If we look at the Scripture, it says, Young men and women, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men and women, because you are strong. And what makes you strong? And the Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Amen? Isn't that what we want for our young people? That the Word of God lives in them, and they overcome the evil one. I prophesy that now for our youth and our young people, that you will be strong in the Lord. Your leaders have never backed down from the true gospel. Your leaders are adamant that the word is vital and important. And you walk in those ways, and you will overcome the enemy. So how do we be, become strong? How do we overcome the enemy? The word of God living in us, bearing fruit, coming out of our mouths. It's coming out of our mouths, in our prayers, in our teaching, in our encouragement of others. We can tell people their hair looks nice. We can tell people that's a nice set of clothes or whatever they're going. But to get the Word of God out, encourage people with the Word of God. Obviously in our testimony, but in our general conversation and in our witnessing. The Word of God living in us is a force the enemy has no power over. You realize that? No power over the Word of God. It's a shield that distinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. It's a strike weapon that overcomes the enemy. Whether we are a new Christian or more mature, the enemy hasn't given up on us. But the Scripture says in 1 John, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the evil spirits, because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. It's, the, it's Christ is the Word. Remember, remember, in one, oh, sorry, remember in the Gospel of John, it says, the Word became flesh and came to dwell with us. Jesus came. He is the Word. And He lives in our hearts. Read the Word. Absorb the Word that fits into your circumstances and speak the Word. And that's my encouragement today. When the enemy comes back, he will hear you speaking the Word and he will not re-enter. Neglect the word, and the consequences could be dire. I just want to put up some scriptures, just as I come to a close here. If the musicians could come up, that would be really cool. Well, I'm just doing this. Look, slide 17 here. Some of these scriptures are going to be real for you. These are what needs to be coming out of your mouth. The punish, for healing, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. A lot of you probably know these off by heart. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? One more, one more slide. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And the next two verses are personal for me, because the enemy was after my health. He's been after my health for a long time. 2010, he was after me with cancer. He said, you're praying for too many people with cancer, I'm giving you cancer. And, and we beat that by the power of God. More recently, last year, I was in and out of A&E, um, but God gave me this scripture, and this is the word that I speak. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. What does that mean? I was on my porch on a Saturday, and I was supposed to fly to Egypt, Israel, and Jordan on the, Friday, on the Monday morning. And here I'm on the porch on Saturday crying out to God, should I go? I'm in and out of A&E. And that's the word of the Lord. He said, I'm t lifting you up out of the grave. I'm healing you. And I'm taking you back to Israel. How specific is that? When you're sitting on your porch and he says, read Ezekiel 37. This is verse 12. That's the word of the Lord. And that's the power of God to defeat the enemy. No problem after that. I got up and said, that's it. The Lord's spoken to me. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. Paul took Jesus at his word and got on with life. And that's what we need to do. It's the power of God to save us. It's the power of God to heal us. It's the power of God to see victory. And it needs to be in here. And it needs to be coming out of our mouth. I've given you scripture after scripture after scripture where Jesus talks about it coming out of our mouth. And coming out of our mouth and good fruit. And the enemy is afraid of it. Amen. He is defeated by the Word, by Christ, by His precious blood. Let's stand.